Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program today and thank you for joining us on the program and uh, for taking time out of your busy schedule to feel it important enough to follow us in the study that we're doing on the book of Hebrews. I trust you're being blessed by it. Uh, let me say quickly before I get into anything else that if you have missed any of these programs, like I say, we are in the middle of a series that we're teaching on the book of Hebrews. And uh, if you've missed any of it, you can go back to our YouTube channel and watch it there, or you can get it on our iTunes feed or an RSS feed uh, uh, to your smart device. The easiest way to do any of that is simply to go to my website at lenhouse.com, and there's a direct link there to our YouTube page and also to our Android and uh, iTunes feed to where you can get uh, both the video at YouTube and the audio portions on the other two. And you can listen to it on your way to work and catch up with where we're at. I wanted to mention also some of our books. We very seldom do this, but I felt like with the season of Christmas coming up that uh, maybe a good idea to give maybe some of your loved ones would be uh, the gift of the gospel. If you know somebody that's really struggling with fear from the book of Revelation, I, I think this book will uh, just absolutely take the fear out of the book. The book of Revelation, this, is, this, this book is from the book of Revelation, and I've dealt with the first five chapters uh, of the book of Revelation. And what it's really about is it's about the revelation of Jesus Christ, a revelation of Him to the seven churches, and what His revelation to them will produce through them. And what we see is that there were seven churches that were really in Asia and that the book of Revelation absolutely had a relevance to that first century audience churches because they were the ones who were transitioning out of an old covenant mindset and repenting and coming into a new covenant mindset. And that's what this book really addresses. I think you'll really be blessed by this book. Um, uh, the second book that I wrote is titled The Unforced Rhythms of Grace. And this book is from Matthew 11 where he said, Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, see how I do it. I will teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. This book takes all the miracles that Jesus did on the Sabbath day and shows you that the Sabbath is more than just a day of the week. It is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I show how that uh, the miracles that Jesus did on the Sabbath day powerfully picture what flows from this incredible place called rest. To ministry, I would say this book really would be, there's a chapter in here where I talk about a withered hand. And I talk about how the withered hand is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's the hand. And if it's withered, it's because it's not flowing from the posture of rest. But Jesus on the Sabbath day says to the man, stretch out your hand. Hallelujah. And I believe it will help you even to transition how you do ministry from a posture of rest. That book will bless you. My latest book it just came off the press in April of this year. is called From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book I talk about how uh, John the Baptist, who was one of the most pivotal characters of human history, says repent for the kingdom is at hand. The word repent is a word, Greek word metanoia, and it means to change the way you think or to turn about or to change one's bent. It's subtitled The Kingdom Paradigm Shift because what we change our mind about is, what John was saying is, repent for the kingdom is at hand, a new form of government 
called the kingdom of God was about to replace an old covenant government of law. Uh, Corinthians calls the old covenant the government of death written on stone, and the new covenant is a government of living spirit. It calls the old covenant, it calls it the government of condemnation, and it calls the new covenant the government of affirmation. This powerful book, I believe, marries the message of grace and the message of the kingdom to bring, I believe, some much needed help to the body of Christ. And all of these books can be ordered from our website for $18, and that includes shipping and handling. Each one of those books are $18. Or you can you could go to the website, you can call the number on the screen, you could go to Amazon.com and order these books. You can also get the digital copy by going to Amazon or the different kind of devices you have, you can get it on an ebook. So there's a whole lot of ways to get it, but you'll be blessed. Be great Christmas gifts or gifts to give to your family. Let's get the word. We uh, last week we finished chapter three of the book of Hebrews. So this week we're going to start in talking about Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Now uh, let's just begin reading there. In chapter four, it said, uh, "Let us therefore fear." lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as He said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For He spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all of His works, and in this place again, if they shall enter into My rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached, entered not in because of unbelief. Again He limits a certain day in David, saying today after so long a time, as it is said today, if you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, this is literally Joshua, Yeshua, this is the Hebrew name of Joshua. For if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now we want to come back because we've reiterated a lot of stuff in the third chapter that we've connected to this, so we may not need as much time uh, on the fourth chapter. But he said, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. The first thing I want to say to you is, and I've already built this over the last several weeks, the promised land, according to Hebrews 3 and 4, in the new covenant, is more than just a piece of real estate. It is rest in the finished work of Jesus. It's coming into the new covenant kingdom of God, and that's what this book of Hebrews is written about. It is written to Hebrews, and I believe it's the 13th chapter of Hebrews verse 9, tells you that the point and purpose of this book is so that your heart can be established in grace. So this book is about transitioning from an old covenant paradigm to a new covenant paradigm, and he's saying to them, listen, don't let, let's not fall after the same example of unbelief. And I went back over several chapters, and I showed you in the book of Corinthians chapter 10, where the apostle Paul said everything that happened to them under Moses happened to them as examples 
for us upon whom the end of the ages had come. And that the end of the ages had not come upon us in 2017. They had come upon them between the, the uh, 30 A.D. and 70 A.D. That's when these books were written. And Paul, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, everything that happened to them under Moses was but an example or a picture for them upon whom the end of the ages had come. So they should have made this transition a long time ago. And he's writing to these Hebrews 30-some years into this new covenant, and he's saying to them, listen, you're all about to miss it again. There's another, listen, he said, listen, there's a promised land called rest. There's a Sabbath rest, a finished work of Jesus. This book here really deals with uh, the Sabbath and shows you out of Colossians that the Sabbath day is not just a place, it's a person. You know, he tells you, let no man judge you in respect to meat or drink or a new moon or a holy day. Uh, all these things are a shadow. The substance or the reality, however, is found in Christ because Christ is our Sabbath day. He is the reason we have rest is because the work was finished from the foundation of the world. The work was finished. See, I could point you back even to talk about the finished work of Christ here, the finished work. He said, they, even though the work was finished, said they, uh, uh, they did not, as I have sworn in my wrath, that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, when we enter into the, the finished work of Jesus Christ, we can immediately call it today and say, I'm going to rest from my labors, and I'm going to rest from my toil, and I'm going to enter into this promised land that's more than just a piece of real estate. It's rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And he tells them, let us fear. He's talking to these Hebrews in the first century, and he's saying to them, listen, let's fear, lest any of you should seem to come short of it again. You are continuing to put this off because of your murmurings and your complainings, and you can't seem to call it today. I believe six times in Hebrews 3 and, and 4, I believe he says six times, as the Holy Ghost saith today, after so long a time, today, if you hear his voice today, enter into that rest. He said, because the gospel was preached unto us as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith and them that heard it. And so we see a whole lot of stuff. He said they didn't enter into rest because they couldn't mix the word with faith. And he said the gospel was preached to them as well as unto us. And I'm thinking, well, let me, let me think this a minute. The gospel is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How was the gospel preached to them in the wilderness? Man, all of a sudden I began to realize, hey, the gospel was preached to them in type and shadow. Because when they saw a lamb taken out from among the sheep and the goats in Egypt, they were to understand that the blood of that lamb put on the doorpost of their house. And a lamb inside the house was what was going to deliver them from Egypt. Because the blood on the doorpost of that house didn't just say to the death angel, this house escaped. The blood that was on the doorpost of that house said to the death angel, there has already been a death exacted here, and the death of the firstborn, or the death of the lamb, was the death of the firstborn. I want to say to every believer that when you see the blood, it's not just saying your house escaped, it's telling you that the death of Jesus was your death. And the reason the death angel can pass and the judgment of God passes your house is because His death was your death, it was the death of the firstborn. 
And then you take the lamb in the house and you start feeding on Jesus and his finished work. See, it is feeding on the death of Jesus. It's feeding on what his death exacted. It's feeding on he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was on him. In other words, everything that we need has been paid for in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And so the more I feed on that lamb, what happened to them in, the, in, 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 the, in Egypt was at midnight they got up out of bed and said, I can't live in this bondage anymore. You get enough lamb in your belly and you won't be able to live in bondage anymore. You won't be able to live in religious bondage and you won't be able to live in uh, bondage to the world or substance abuse or any other kind of bondage. You just feed on the lamb and that's what produces faith. Hearing the gospel is what should produce the faith. So they heard the gospel preached when they saw a lamb slain, when they fed on lamb. They heard the gospel preached when they saw, as I preached in the last segment, Moses put a tree in the water and the water became, hallelujah, it became sweetened by the tree. The tree is a picture of the cross. The gospel was preached to them. Just put a tree in it. I would say to any preacher that's just begun to preach the message of grace, People have come out of bondage of religion. Their first stop is the wilderness of sin because they're testing the waters of preach. They're test, I'm sorry, they're testing the waters of freedom for the first time. What should we do when they test the waters of freedom? We should put a tree in it. Keep preaching the cross. Keep showing them who they are in the new creation. Keep showing them they were crucified with Christ. Keep feeding them on the Lamb and telling them, listen, His death was your death. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Keep reaffirming them like Paul did, even when it was a sin issue in Corinthian. He said, once you were darkness, but now you're light. This is who you used to be, but now this is who you are. And they will leave the wilderness of sin and they will go to Rephidim, which means rest. And then God gave them a steady diet of manna, and they started feeding on the manna that came down from heaven. Jesus gets a hold of that, and He said, Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. But I'm the true bread that came down from heaven, that if a man will feed on this, he will live. The gospel was preached to them, because it was preached to them in type and shadow, but Jesus comes along in the New Testament and brings it out of the realm of shadow into the realm of substances as I am the true bread that came down from heaven. See, man will not live, you know, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But Jesus was the proceeding word that came out of the mouth of God. And the bread of heaven is no longer just a piece of bread that we lay on our table. It's the true bread, which is Christ who came down. That gospel was preached to them. In other words, everything about this should have been producing faith in these people to be able to enter into this incredible Sabbath rest. Like I said, this book really talks a great deal about that as far as the Sabbath rest of God and entering into that rest. Then the people begin to murmur and complain. They, this is what I think is crazy. You've got three to six million people who've come out of Egypt and they've seen God give them a miracle to get them out of Egypt. They left with 400 years worth of back pay. They saw a cloud stand over them to keep the sun from beating down on them by... Uh, day, they saw a pillar of a cloud by night. They saw the miraculous hand of God. They saw God open the Red Sea so that three to six million people could walk over on dry land. 
They saw God destroy the whole Egyptian army when He closed the sea back on them. Because the same water that saves you destroys your enemy. That's why it is important to be blood-bought and water-baptized, because you're buried with Him in baptism. But when they came up out of the waters of the Red Sea, it's a picture of us being raised into the newness of life. That's the kind of faith that should be coming. But what's amazing to me is that God rained down manna from heaven, and angels delivered on the lawn every morning for these people manna, and they fed from the manna. And uh, man, they had the audacity to complain and complain to Moses and say, we loathe or we hate this light bread. <laughs> I mean, they're literally saying to God, we hate this miracle you're giving us every day that we don't even have to work for or to get it. All we got to do is gather it up and eat it. And the Bible said it had the taste of fresh oil and honeycomb. I like to say it was probably Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> and it was good for you, and it was healthy because there's not a feeble one among you. Now see, if you're going to complain about angels delivering Krispy Kreme donuts for you every morning that are healthy, <laughs> and you're going to complain about it, somebody ought to slap you. That's all I got to say about that. But they murmured and complained, not just that it's hot out here or he stole my tent peg, but they complained about the miracle. I mean, that's just, no wonder God got aggravated and said He swore in His wrath, thou not enter His rest. But everything about this, see, that manna is a picture of Christ. Somebody said, well, Brother Howes, all you ever teach is the finished work of Jesus Christ. We want something besides that. Give us, you know, give us meat, give us flesh to eat. See, that's the problem. We're eating too much flesh. And we've eaten flesh until it's coming out our noses, religious flesh, until it literally is coming out of our noses. I am going to profess, like Paul, to know nothing among you but Christ and Him crucified. And I'm going to keep on preaching the gospel. And I'm going to preach Jesus from every picture, every type, every shadow, and every way I know how to. Because when you feed a steady diet of Jesus, it works. See, when they were on the diet of that manna from heaven, there was not a feeble one among them. God said, I'm going to bless their bread, and I'm going to bless their water, and I'm going to remove sickness from among them. When you get on the right diet and you eat and drink the right stuff, God removes stuff from us. I'm convinced our biggest problem is we need to get in the Word and preach the gospel. And I think we'll see the healings and the deliverance, but even more than that, we'll see people who don't wax old. Not a feeble one was among them. We're going to see people who are healthier, wealthier, and more at rest. I'm convinced that half of our diseases and problems, especially as it relates to mental disorders, come from condemnation and guilt and stress that comes from bad theology and serving a diet other than Jesus. The, see, he said the gospel was preached to them. When was the gospel preached to them? Well, it was preached to them when the manna fell. It was preached to them when they crossed the Red Sea. It was preached to them when the Lamb was slain. That's the gospel being preached with them, to them. But the word being preached did not mix with faith, didn't profit them. See, it's one thing for us to preach a message. It's another thing to believe it and to apply that message by faith. 
See, and you, listen, you know, when I, the, the, the direction that we're preaching this from is not a direction of you got to believe to see it. What we're preaching is the work has already been finished. We're not believing to make it so. We're believing because it is so. But what Jesus did in His redemptive work is, to me, I almost like to, I've used this example once when I was in uh, Trinidad, West Indies, and I was preaching. I laid a $20 bill on the altar. And I said to that group of people, I said, this $20 bill has been provided to you freely by grace. There's nothing you have to do to earn this $20 bill. It's yours to anybody that wants to come and receive this $20 bill. Well, at first people just looked at me like, what? And I said, no, I'm serious. This is not a trick. If you want that $20 bill, it is, uh, it's $120 in their economy. But I said, if you want it, it's freely provided by grace. And somebody finally got up and got that $20 bill. And I didn't take it back because it was truly a gift. I laid the second one down, and faith began to rise in that people. And I said, this is freely provided by grace. All you've got to do is come and get the $20 bill. And so, man, people ran then. And I started seeing it. See, what happens is faith began to arise to access by faith what grace had already provided. And so as I preached that, and I said, listen, this is freely provided. by You didn't earn it. It's God's free gift. It's just a gift to you. You didn't earn it. Just all you got to But see, if you don't believe it belongs to you, you're not going to access it. We access this grace by faith. So we preach the finished work of Jesus Christ to create faith in people to begin to reach out and say, that's mine. What I did next in that meeting was I took a box of tissues and I held them up because I was running out of $20 bills. And I, and I held that box of tissues up. I said, this represents healing, prosperity, everything Jesus paid for, for you in His redemptive work that the gospel declares is yours. All you got to do is come and get it and access it by grace. I'm going to tell you, faith began to rise in those people. And they began to come and take those tissues. And I know there's no power in the tissue. But it was the faith that was created by showing, hey, there's something that's already been freely provided to you by grace. But when you access this faith, and they started grabbing those tissues, and that whole box of tissues was gone because people were accessing and believing their miracle. And they were seeing healings and deliverances and prosperities. I, I'm convinced it's that simple, is that you simply believe. And it's really, you know, even what you go on down here, it says, we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I've sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Let me skip down in here uh, because he says for, let me see if I can find the place here where it's talking about. It says they didn't enter into because of unbelief, but he said for, uh, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. And here's, here's, here's the monkey wrench that gets thrown into it a lot of times. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So we see this word, let us labor therefore to enter into rest. And so somebody comes back and says, see there, you've got to work. Well, here's the answer to that. I believe it is in John chapter 6. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, what must we do to work the works of God? And Jesus answered them and said this, this is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. The only work of the new covenant is that you believe. And you know, one of the hardest things I think to believe 
is I think the hardest thing to believe sometimes is to believe in the righteousness. I've told people somewhere where I was at recently, I'm not having a hard time believing God for, uh, you know, my needs to be met. I, God, God meets my needs. I believe God, I believe just, I just, I've had a faith to believe God to meet my needs. And so God meets my needs. But I said, you know, I can believe God uh, is a healer and, and some of these things. Sometimes we struggle even in our faith with that. But here's the hardest thing we believe. It's hard for us to believe we're the righteousness of God. See, it, it don't take faith to believe you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. It doesn't take faith to believe you're a dirtbag. It doesn't take faith to believe you're a sinner, especially when it gets reiterated every week you go to church, they tell you how bad you are. But see, that's not what the new covenant declares based on the finished work of Jesus. The finished work of Jesus declares you've been made righteous because He was made to be sin who knew no sin so that you could be made the righteousness of God. And so I want to declare that to you so that your faith comes into you and you start to believe into righteousness. For with the heart man believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, it's, it's, it's maybe easy to believe God can meet your need, but it's even more difficult to believe you're the righteousness of God. It takes faith to believe that. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I believe that's why it's important to get a steady diet like this of tuning in to ministries who are going to encourage you and build you up and tell you the truth. See, the gospel was preached. And when they missed the promised land, listen, the Bible said they murmured, snakes came among them. But even when the snakes came among them, God told Moses, take that serpent and put it on a pole. And when that, you lift that up, tell the people, if they'll look, they will live. Tell them if they look, they'll live. And see, Jesus quotes that very scripture in the New Testament when He said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This spake He concerning what death He would die. That's not a praise and worship scripture. That's about Him being lifted up and crucified. So what He said was, even when they murmured, if you'll take your focus off of the serpents on the ground that are biting your legs and put your focus on the serpent on the tree. See, you can get a whole lot of uh, temporary relief by fighting snakes on the ground and having devil chasing services. But somewhere you're going to have to take your focus off of the snake on the ground and see that Jesus hung him on the tree. And the moment you see that Jesus destroyed principalities and powers, your faith is going to come and you're going to look and you're going to live. The gospel was preached to them. It's time to call it today and enter into a rest that says, it's finished, it's done. I'm completing Him. I'm the righteousness of God by faith, and I'm going to believe God. My faith is going to come to me again. We're about out of time. We'll probably get at least one more segment out of Hebrews chapter 4, so tune in again next week. But if you would like to help us take the gospel around the world, it takes your help to do this. Sow a seed into the ministry as generous as you can. Don't sit on the sideline and, and wait for somebody else to do it. We really do need your help. You can go on the website, give via credit card, or you can call the number on the screen, or you can send a check or a money order to Lynn Howes Ministries and to the address that will come up on the screen in just a few moments. We want to thank you for watching. Tell your friends about us and uh, order some of these books. They're great stocking stuffers. Give somebody the gift of the gospel. I believe you'll be revolutionized by what's in these books. Order them today. Somebody stand by to take your call. Thank you for watching today. God bless you.
I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.